Welcome to it, and happy, uh, what the hell is it, Tuesday, it's happy Tuesday to you, I'm Derek Hunter, this is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the third day of October 2023, yes, it's Tuesday, think about that, I can't even remember, I have to pick up my uh, in-laws from the airport today because it's Bailey's birthday week, and they're coming in to celebrate it, so happy birthday to Bailey, and uh yeah, I should know what the hell it is, because otherwise I'd have missed them picking them up at the train. We had Monday, we had soccer practice. Mondays Mondays are for soccer practice. Saturdays are for soccer. And uh, it's, back, it's really convenient on Mondays, because it's Bailey and then it's Quinn. Back to back. There's even actually a 15-minute overlap, so that's even better. But on Saturdays, it sucks because they're, quote, games. Don't overlap. One is at 9.30 to 10.30, and the other one's at 11.30 to 12.30. So it's like, crap. And I see another group of kids that are Bailey's age playing at the same time as Quinn's game. It's like, why isn't she in that league? It's our coach from last year. It's like every, but it's all randomly assigned. I probably could have raised a stink and done it, but it only goes till the end of the month, whatever. But we didn't even actually practice all day today. Or all day the for the full hour and Quinn didn't practice at all. It is nat season here in Maryland, and I'm sitting there and it, these things are. It's like a flurries. It's just these things are blowing all over. There's no place to hide. There's nowhere to go. Like God, and I know my girls. They are not fans of the existence of bugs. I was surprised they lasted as long as they did. They lasted about fifty minutes, and. Um, or about 45 minutes, right when Quinn's was about to start practicing. She's crying, can no longer distract her from these things and tell her it's going to get better. And Bailey's had enough. She comes over and she wants to quit. And is like, all right, let's just go. So, yeah, I only had 45 minutes of soccer today, which is good, I guess. But um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes the rest of the year. Anyway, the winner of the signed book will be announced at the end of the program. Congratulations to whoever you are. Uh, I'm not going to tell you now. you got to wait, and I already know what the next book is going to be. You're just going to have to wait till the end to find out. But let's just say rematch. I'll call it a rematch. All right, but first, my God, are you kidding me? We have a situation, and look, I get it. There's... California is lousy with... I know, you could sit there and I could start with Donald Trump. And I've heard a couple of shows today. I don't normally listen to talk radio. I find it... Ever since Rush died, there's literally nothing on the radio we're listening to, in my opinion. So, um, I, I, I was driving around and I couldn't... I just can't bring myself to listen to music. And I wasn't driving long enough to really get into the book I'm, I'm listening to, speaking of Rush... I'm listening to An Army of One uh, by, about Rush Limbaugh, the biography that he participated with but is not like officially sanctioned. I will tell you this, for anybody out there who works in the publishing industry, if anybody works in the publishing industry, if you're going to have a conservative story, conservative subject, conservative book, whatever, you need to have a conservative person perform the book. 
read the book, whatever. I did my own book. I knew how the words were pronounced. I knew how the names were pronounced. I also do this for a living, so I knew how this stuff goes. The guy who was doing this book, perfectly adequate job, not the most compelling voice. The guy, I just listened to the book on Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson, just finished that. That was a great performance. That was a great performance there. But the guy doing the uh, Rush Limbaugh book, he says things like Mark Levin instead of Mark Levin. And you just, and there's little things like that that a conservative would know. Conservative would understand that that's not how you say that. This is how you say it. The all-seeing, all-knowing Maharishi, what have you. But no, and there was also, I mean, this is in the writing, I assume. I don't have a physical copy of the book, but kept t- calling it the contract uh, for America instead of the contract with America. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening to all this crap and I'm like, you know, this would be, this is where you got to have a conservative editor. This is where you got to have a conservative book. I don't know if it's in the book or not, but whatever. Somebody somebody in the process has to be a conservative. Conservatives can't be zoo animals to you. They can't be these uh, obscure things about which you've only heard rumors. It's just really bad form. It's bad form. So anyway, I, I will get into more uh, more stuff as time goes on. But anyway, I wanted to start off not with Donald Trump's trial. I, I most of the charges seems to have been dismissed. Uh, some things will still go forward. There'll still be a trial. Of course, he's at a disadvantage. It's in New York. Blah blah blah. I find it wildly boring. But I was listening to a couple of things, flipping around, trying to find something that wasn't going to turn my stomach. And they're all whining, this is the biggest threat to democracy ever. Well, no, it's not. It's not. Do I think Donald Trump is being railroaded in New York? Of course I do. Are we just this side of a police state where they're about to throw you into the, the secret prisons somewhere in Alaska? No, we're not. People are trying to sell you something who are trying to sell you that. And it's kind of funny because they literally are trying to sell you something and you're going to hear a lot more about that and how horrible this police state is until the home video release. And then I suppose after a week, you probably won't hear too much about it. It's weird. Just like the uh, thing I said about D'Souza's last movie where I've got all this proof of the, this fraud. And, well, all right. Well, uh, why aren't you... If, if you gave me proof that there was a second shooter on the grassy knoll. I'd never shut up about it. Even if, even if nobody cared, like, uh, I'd still, I'd have to tell you, I'd have to keep trying because wait for it to break through. The world needs to know. If you've got irrefutable proof that there was the greatest corruption and political scandal ever perpetrated on, the, on human beings, and you've got it nailed down, find a prosecutor, do something, not go, I'll only talk about this in a form that'll cost you 25 bucks to see me. Well, why don't you release it at home for 20 bucks? Well, because a family of four could watch it for 20 bucks then, but that same family of four is worth 100 bucks in my pocket if they go to the theater, you see, and then they'll buy it again. You can make a lot of money from very few people if you just keep going back and milking them. You scare them. You scare them. You get 100,000 fans, a million fans. You can make a fortune off of those people I mean, think of it, a million people giving you a dollar. 
a month. A dollar a month. You're making $12 million a year. You know, think of it. It only costs me a dollar. Or these websites, only cost you $5. Hell, my podcast, $5. Sign up for $5 a month. Not a million of you. But the people who do have a million, like, give me more money. Here's another way for me to get more of your money. Like, wait a second. How much money do you need? If you have proof that the republic is about to collapse, why are you charging me for it? Why? why? If you have proof of the greatest crime of the 21st century, the theft of the 2020 election, why are you charging me for it? Shouldn't you want everybody to know about it so that we can prevent it from happening? Especially since you know you had this kind of stuff handed to you. Just saying. I wrote that in my column on Sunday and a bunch of the comments were like, you don't understand what's wrong with making money. I don't care about people making money. What I can't stand is the phoniness of it all. The people making the money telling you they're not in it for the money. We're not doing this for the money. Well, if you're not doing it for the money, then why are you charging so much money? If you're not doing it for the money, you're sure making an awful lot of money. But It just seems a little weird that somebody not in it for the money is making so much money. Right? Won't shut up about how much money they're talking and making, and then they'll tell you they don't need the money. They don't want the money. They don't even like the money. But they're not about to not do it for no money. No way. They're not going not gonna to undo it. We're not going to shut up. Who are you? What are you, a communist? No, I'm not a communist. I'm an idealist. I look at it and say, look, if you got something that can change the way, the trajectory of history, change the trajectory of the election, whatever, to help us win, and you're going, I will give you this secret formula, but I'll only do it if you give me a certain amount of money, then I'm going to say that I think you might not be in it for the right reasons. I think you might be doing it for the money. It's kind of those candidates, we had it here, um, it was ridiculous, when in Maryland, Anthony Brown ran. I, was, I don't know, it was a few years ago. It was when uh, Martin O'Malley left office. Love, and uh, Anthony Brown was the lieutenant governor, Democrat. Now, the people in this state were just sick of Democrats. Martin O'Malley was a uniquely terrible governor, wildly incompetent, incredibly unpopular, but arrogant as the day is long. Larry Hogan got the Republican nomination, and he won because he wasn't a Democrat. That was the, he was a harmless person, and he wasn't a Democrat not particularly conservative as soon as the primary ended. But Anthony, uh, the, the lieutenant governor, kept coming out and ta- Anthony Brown talking about how he had a plan to fix the economy. He had a plan to fix the economy. You see this all the time in politics. When a vice president runs, they talk about, we got a plan, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do the other thing. And you go, um... If you got, I got a question for you. If you got this great plan, why are you keeping it from the current governor? Why are you keeping it from the current president? Whatever. And why are, why are you hiding this wonderful plan that you have to fix health care, to fix this for kids, whatever it is? Why are you not, you know, putting this plan out there for everybody to see and for us to use? Now, we, God knows we could use it. Right now, the economy sucks. So if you got a plan to fix the economy, let's have it. And the condition, of course, conversely, is 
They running and saying, I have a plan to fix the economy and I'm only going to give it to you if you elect me. Otherwise, you can all go to hell and I'll just sit back and laugh maniacally and I'll grow a mustache so that I can twirl it as I laugh at you. That seem right? Does that seem like good politics? Doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem like good politics to me. I don't know about you. But it happens all the time. Now, you have two choices to believe that the person really is the monopoly man laughing hysterically, going, I could fix this, but they're not, they didn't vote for me, so to hell with them. Let the people suffer. Or they're full of crap and lying to you. Which one do you think it is? If they have a plan, and now put, just putting it in electoral terms, if they have a plan for the election, or for the economy after the election, and they're in a position to actually currently do something about it, why wouldn't they do it? Why wouldn't they at least introduce it? Say, hey, here it is. Here's the plan. We can get this show on the road right now. Nope. It's always conditional. You'll get it. I'll do it when I'm governor, when I'm president, when I'm whatever. Okay. Now, the same thing goes for a so-called, it's not a documentary, but they call it documentary. Michael Moore really screwed up that word. Uh, but you say, well, listen, we've got uh, proof of fraud here. And it's coming. Or we've got proof. Look, the, the republic is under threat. It is? Yes, it's under imminent threat. Things are getting horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And you've got to get ready for this. And you need to see this movie. You need the message in this. Okay, well, what is it? Well, you'll have to wait until the end of the month. What, what do you mean? I, I, things are horrible. We're going down a the spiral staircase to hell. What do you? Well, you have to wait until a couple of weeks from now. Look, we've reserved the theaters. We've already prepaid that. We got to sell a bunch of tickets. Then we will start telling people. Then after that, we'll sell it to you at home. We'll need more and blah blah blah. More, more, more. Always more money. Well, what if the republic collapses before then? It won't collapse before then. It won't, so it's not under imminent threat. To, oh, it's under imminent threat, and that's why you got to go see the movie. It could happen at any moment. But you're willing to risk it for three weeks of pre-promotion? Like, what? I don't, I don't get this. Look, the only way to save the Republic is 25 bucks per ass in seats at a time. Am I right? What's the difference between those two arguments? They're both full of crap. They're both, one's trying to get your vote, one's trying to get your credit card. There's no difference otherwise. It's all part of the grift, and it drives me nuts. If you found the secret sauce, if you found the cure for what ails people, would you then say, but I'm only going to give it to you, I'm only going to tell you about it, I'm only going to X, Y, or Z under certain circumstances? Nothing wrong with making profit. Not everybody has to be Jonas Salk. People don't realize that Jonas Salk did not patent his polio vaccine. He left it out there for anybody to make. He didn't make money off of it. Because the important thing was, and not that he was, you know, he wasn't living in a cardboard box or anything, but the important thing was to eradicate polio. And thank God he did. They don't need that kind of altruism, but my God, in politics, if you have something genuine and you know, really, really important, and it really, truly is, but then spill it. Because if you'll only spill it for money... I'm going to I'm going to question your sincerity. I'm going to question it. That's what I say. 
So, yeah, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about Trump's trial. When, it, when a decision is reached, whatever, I suspect it, it's not going to be a good decision for him Im- immediately, but eventually he will once you get it out of the ridiculous left-wing courts of New York. It's a nuisance trial more than anything else. It's a civil case. The people of New York don't care. This is what you get. This is what Republicans need to do. In states where Republicans have control, there's got to be some people stepping up. Can't just be straight up BS charges filed against somebody because they're D's. But it should be, you can't tell me there aren't people with suspicious activities and corrupt practices and sketchy friends and what have you and really suspicious things. Look at Dianne Feinstein, became filthy freaking rich while in the United States Senate for a very long time. She's gone now, you can't go after her, and she's out of California, but she is not unique in any way, shape, or form. What is uh, John Tester's bottom line out there in Montana? I'd like to know. Somebody should look into it. There are all sorts of circumstances like that. There are Democrats that represent Republican districts and Republican states, Republican areas, just because they're really nice people and, oh, we all get along. Nope. No. The only way this insanity stops is not through hyperbolic filmmaking and profiteering off of it. It is to give them a giant dose of their own medicine. They're not going to like it. They're not going to like it. Then maybe they'll stop. And if not, then you then you do go tit for tat. You go after them. And eventually they will not like it to the point. You're going to hit them where it hurts sooner or later. Don't hit them in the groin. You hit them where they're breaking the law. Get them. Throw the book at Jamal Bowman. Pulling the fire alarm to delay the vote. Throw the book at him. There's no real jail time. It's up to a possibility of that. But you can find the hell out of him. You can get him a record. You can make him pay for that in that way. Go for it. Just don't lie at it. Jamal Bowman is still running around going, well, I thought it was how you opened the door. The thing that says fire alarm in case of fire pull, that thing you thought opened the door? You're an idiot. Or you're a liar. I don't really know which one it is. With Democrats, it's tough to tell. It could be both. But it's just amazing that he has the—he has no self-respect and no decency, that he just goes, yeah, I did it, so what? It's not my fault. And then his team put out talking points. That's what's really amazing. They put out what they call guidance to other Democrats for when they talk about it. Hey, when you talk about our idiocy, here's how you talk about it. And it's two pages long. So it's suggested talking points. These are suggested talking points for Jamal Bowman. It's an extreme reach on the part of MAGA Republicans to assert that Representative Bowman intended to do harm or destruct anyone or anything. The exact opposite is true. He was trying to do his job. Why? Why? Because he's a freaking idiot who after three years on the job, still doesn't know how to get from his office to where he works. Or there's, look, if you've been in the Capitol complex on a weekend, you know there's only one or two ways to get in and out, and it causes confusion for staffers and members alike. But because of last-minute votes caused by Republican incompetence and surprise bill drops, not all exits were staffed like usual, And the signage made it even more confusing. 
Bowman's office is saying, you make sure you tell him that that black man can't be expected to read an emergency exit sign. No way. Yeah, sure, he's worked weekends before, but he's incredibly dumb. Next one. Especially when you're in a rush after Republicans drop the bill text 15 minutes before the vote and the signage on the door is unnecessarily confusing. Oh, the signage on the door. See, but this dipshit doesn't recognize, he won't admit, that the picture that was released by Capitol Police and looking for this freaking moron who pulled the fire alarm to try and disrupt a vote in plain view of that, in that photograph, is what? the doors and what is missing from the doors take a look at the picture there is no sign on the doors later on democrats were circulating a photograph of those very same doors curiously with a red sign balanced on them that was the most confusing they could come up with like push the door for three seconds and the alarm will sound and the door will unlock 30 seconds later Still, you got to be pretty dumb to think that's a good and normal way to enter or exit a building when it's not because it's locked up for security purposes. But that sign was not there when Jamal Bowman pulled the fire alarm. So he could not have been unnecessarily confused by it. Hate to break it to you, Jamal. And he goes on, it's clear my colleague, Congressman Bowman, was simply rushing to the floor to cast his vote to prevent a shutdown and support working class families. This was written by his staff. Voting doesn't occur in the Cannon House office building. It only occurs in the Capitol. The alarm going off didn't interrupt our business on the floor today in the slightest. Ah, what's a little crime amongst friends? You know what I mean? See, an alarm's going off in the Capitol complex. They don't necessarily even wake anybody up in other parts of it. It's just on the immediate air. Yeah, because that's what security is, right? Security is, eh, that's somewhere. It's probably just a routine emergency. Everybody's just Dr. Beeper in Caddyshack. It's probably just a routine emergency. Load of crap. Another suggested talking point. I believe Congressman Bowman when he says this was an accident. Republicans need to instead focus their energy on the Nazi members of their party before anything else. The Nazi members of their party. Suddenly Republicans are Democrat. Project much? Now, of course, Jamal Bowman is a piece of garbage. He's always been a piece of garbage. He's a full-blown progressive piece of crap. But I would posit this. Since there is footage of this incident, Congressman Bowman all by himself. There's a possibility that that footage does back up Jamal Bowman and says he's really stupid. He's looking at the doors and he's just scratching his bald head going, I don't know how any of this works. I'm scared. I'm scared. And so after, I don't know, licking the doorknob, kicking the door handle, crying to himself a little bit, calling staff, he then decided that maybe the way to unlock these doors is secretly hidden inside the fire alarm. It's entirely possible. Video footage of that would settle that argument. But, but, we haven't seen that video footage yet. It's weird that we haven't seen that video footage yet. Seems like something really easy to release. Seems like Kevin McCarthy could order that footage released. But if that footage does not show anything remotely close to a guy standing there going, I don't understand the concept here. I'm scared. 
then that means Jamal Bowman is lying even more so. And as a result, he should resign. Should he not resign? Calling your colleagues a Nazi isn't bad enough. Now, Jamal Bowman, of course, claimed later on in the day that he was unaware, I was unawares of the Nazi remark. He tweeted out, quote, I just became aware that in our messaging guidance, there was an inappropriate use of the term Nazi without my consent. I condemn the use of the term Nazi out of its precise definition. It is important to specify the term Nazi to refer to members of the Nazi party and neo-Nazis. Yeah. Except, of course, there's a history of Jamal Bowman calling people Nazis, people on the right Nazis. Anybody who disagrees with Jamal Bowman, there's a tweet for it. The internet is Pepperidge Farms, you piece of garbage. It never forgets. It remembers. Pepperidge Farm remembers. These people are unbelievable. These people are unbelievable. And why is it that this video footage has not yet surfaced? I want to know. I want to see it. I want answers to all of these questions. I want answers to the question how the governor of California, the soon-to-be presumptive nominee of the Democrat Party, Governor Hairdo, managed to finally come up with a replacement. He, he said he's going to give a black woman, and boy, how did he give a black woman. He went a step further, though. She's a member, proud member of the Alphabet Mafia. She's LGBTQ+. Which, she's lesbian, I don't know if she's whatever else in there. I don't give a damn. She's the president of Emily's List, which is a pro-abortion group, which is ironic because she's one of the people who's least likely to ever need an abortion or need birth control in any way, shape, or form. But that's beside the point. <clears throat> Newsweek reports on another problem with good old Governor Hairdo. California Governor Gavin Newsom's pick to replace recently deceased Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein has raised eyebrows after it emerged that she resided with her family in Maryland until recently. I love that caveat, until recently. She doesn't, it wasn't until recently. She lives in Maryland. Late on Sunday night, his office announced that he had chosen LaFonza Butler. LaFonza Butler. President of Emily's List, which is a massive Democrat fundraising appendage on top of everything else because Democrats get sexually aroused at abortion. So he is now suckling up to the massive fundraising wing of the Democratic Party. Gavin Newsom is evil, not stupid. Feinstein died, blah, blah, blah. Quote, a trusted advisor to Vice President Kamala Harris and leader of the nation's largest organization dedicated to electing women, Butler will make history as the first black lesbian to openly serve in Congress, Newsom's office said. Oh, congratulations. None of those are accomplishments in the human realm, but somehow in progressive world, you, ooh, you, you dig chicks? And what's the color of your skin? Ooh, there you go. Doesn't matter that you're incompetent. Doesn't matter. California law permits the governor to appoint a senator until the next election due to take place in 2024. Butler previously worked in California on presidential campaigns of Harris and Hillary Clinton. However, however, now we're getting down to it. Now we're several paragraphs and many pictures in. So Newsweek got to scroll way the hell down. However, Questions have been raised over the choice after mention of Butler's residence in Maryland was scrubbed from her biography 
on the Emily's List website. Archives of the site show she was still mentioned as recently as September 14th, but now appears to have been deleted. Newsweek approached Butler through Emily's List via email for comment on Monday. Rob Pryor's research director of the California Target book, which analyzes political finance filings, noted Butler had given her address uh, residence in Silver Spring, Maryland, on Federal Election Commission filings as recently as August 31st. Yeah, because that's where she lives. Lists of her contributions recorded by the FEC and the California Fair Political Practices Commission shared by Pyers suggested that she had been living in Maryland since September 2021. Prior to that, she gave an address in View Park, a suburb of Los Angeles. So she used to live in California, but she doesn't anymore. She's now registered to vote until probably right now in Maryland. She moved. She moved away. So that means you're going to tell me, what, 40 million people in the state of California and not a single one of those left-wing lunatics was good enough, checked enough victimhood boxes or advantaged Gavin Newsom enough for him to pick that he picked somebody who didn't even live there anymore because of what they could do for him politically in the future. That's pathetic. Not surprising, but pathetic and hilarious. I love it. I really do love it. It tells you something about the left. You check the boxes. It doesn't matter whether you're legit, whether you're anything. It doesn't matter. You get away with it. You win if you're a left winger. Or if you're, you know, demented and suffering from dementia. I want to play you... uh, something from our current president, President Dementia, Joe Biden. He sat down with John Harwood. It's really amazing to me that he would sit down with John Harwood. Um, John Harwood used to work for CNN. Now he was doing a special piece for ProPublica, left-wing site. John Harwood is a horrible human being and also a fraud as a journalist. Hid his um, relationship with the United States Senator Democrat, of course for a very long time you're not supposed to sleep with people you you know cover and it doesn't matter if you're a democrat i mean you're screwing the country it's hard not to it's hard to deny every literally you can't date anybody in the country you're screwing the whole country so i guess they had to loosen the rules a little bit but anyway john harwood is somebody who is um smart um old enough to know because I'm not old enough to have been there, but I'm old enough to know, too. What Joe Biden says in this clip is a lie. Now, John Harwood in no way tries to correct the record or tries to ask the President of the United States to clarify anything whatsoever. He, just like the trained barking seal he is, lets it go happily. Now, what is it that the President said in an interview? Joe Biden Joe Biden really should get to know Joe Biden. At some point, he should get to know Joe Biden. Because he said this. When I left the Senate, I was able to convince Strom Thurmond to vote for the Voting Rights Act. Strom Thurmond. When I left the Senate, I was able to convince Strom Thurmond to vote for the Voting Rights Act. Strom Thurmond. Well, yeah, when I left the Senate. The Voting Rights Act was in 1965. Joe Biden was not elected to the Senate until 1972, did not assume office until 1973. Strom Thurmond died in 2003. Joe Biden 
left the Senate in 2009 when he became vice president. Just logistically, aside from the general stupidity of what the man just said, logistically, it's impossible what he just said. And yet John Harwood sat there with nothing. He was just admiring the view up with his head up his own ass. That was it. That's how the left works. That's how a man like that can be president of the United States and still have a better-than-average shot at winning a second term. The reason he's resisting dropping out and the reason that a lot of Democrats, and I'd say most of the establishment Democrats, are resisting the idea of Joe Biden dropping out is because most of the other Democrats are crazier. Joe's crazy, but Joe Joe isn't really crazy. Joe doesn't believe in anything. So he just reads what's in the teleprompter. He's perfectly willing to lie and tell you to do one thing and do the exact opposite. He's perfectly content with that. But there's a harmless quality. When you put him up against Donald Trump, who Democrats want to run against, it's close. It's close. Now, from an energy standpoint, he can't match any other Republican in the field, maybe Chris Christie, but he just can't really, he can't come anywhere close to the rest of them. They don't want any of them. They want Trump. Not just because energy, Trump can have all the energy in the world. They can lie about Donald Trump. They can say anything about Donald Trump. And the media will parrot it. The media will go along. The media will still go along with lies about the other people, but the American public are so trained to believe lies about Donald Trump that they'll believe it. Donald Trump has also got a problem with, you know, not necessarily telling the truth. You know what I mean? So that helps the Democrats. I want you to listen to this. Listen closely. Because in this clip, Donald Trump admits that he never really was going to get, he always knew he was not going to get Mexico to pay for the wall. And Mexico didn't pay for the wall. There's no way for him to make Mexico pay for the wall. But that was a, I'm, I seem to recall that being a pretty big promise back in 2016. So when you hear these lunatics back there say, Trump didn't get anything from Mexico. Well, you know, there was no legal mechanism because I said they're going to help fund this wall. But there was no legal mechanism. You know, how do you go to a country and say, by the way, I'm building a wall. Hand us a lot of money. Yeah, um. That sort of stuff gives Democrats a lot of ammunition to use. And it makes the lies Democrats will tell that much more believable to that many more people. Becomes a nightmare. And it can only happen with Joe Biden because people sort of have baked in the cake. Look, he's full of crap, but he's kind of harmless. He's a horrible president, except for the alternative. It's a weird scenario. It's not a good scenario for the country. I don't, there's no circumstance under which Joe Biden should be even close to a position to win re-election, given his track record. But he is. People forget, oh, Donald Trump is winning in this national poll. He's got him by nine points. Okay, great. Look at the polling on Michigan. Look at the polling on Pennsylvania. Look at the polling on Arizona. See, If you don't remember 2016, Donald Trump got his butt kicked in the popular vote. True story. Look it up. He got his butt kicked in the popular vote. 
But we don't elect presidents by the popular vote. We elect presidents by the Electoral College. That's how Donald Trump won. Joe Biden would be more than happy to lose the popular vote if he wins in the Electoral College. Democrats would be ecstatic to return that favor. So you can have your popular vote, but it doesn't matter. If you're not willing to try and expand your voting base and get as many votes as you possibly can, that's the only way you're going to win. It's the only chance you're ever going to have of winning. Preaching to the choir ain't going to do it. Then you're going to lose. It doesn't matter. If, if it weren't Reagan in 1980, Jimmy Carter likely would have been reelected. Reagan had a message. Reagan had a positive message. And Reagan had specifics of what he was going to do. And he did a lot of it in his first hundred days. Smiting his enemies isn't a plan for economic revival. I'm going to fix it isn't a plan for economic revival. I want, I want Donald Trump to be specific. I want him to get specific. I want to be inspired. I don't want to just applaud. I don't applaud anybody. I want to be inspired. I want to believe. But for me to believe, I got to believe that the candidate believes, that the candidate knows what the hell they're talking about. I haven't seen that yet. I'm looking. I'm hoping. But I ain't seeing it. All right. That's enough for today, I think. The winner of the book. The winner of the book, it's Greg Gutfeld. What the hell is the book of it? Yeah, not cool. Not cool, brah. And since people don't mind that the book was signed to me, I'm bringing Greg Gutfeld back. Congratulations to David. Ugh, David, 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 David. Your last name is not doing anybody with dyslexia favors. Charlac? It's probably less complicated than it seems to be. Charlac? Well, that even sounds like it's close to your name. Check your messages. And uh, I need your address. And that means I'm bringing Day, uh, Greg Gutfeld back for round two. Different book. I don't know how the hell I got this signed. It comes with a certificate of authenticity from, uh, what you call it, Premier Collectibles. But it's personalized. I don't ever, ever order personalized books. But whatever. Uh, it's personalized to me and my wife, but it's all for you. It says uh, Derek Heather Booyah, Greg Gutfeld-ish, his autograph. And the book is uh, How to Be Right, The Art of Being Persuasively Correct. Hardcover, probably first edition. I don't know. Um, yeah, first edition. I don't think I opened it until... I decided to give it away. But Greg Gutfeld, going back at it again, that means that Gene Hackman, a lot of people like Gene Hackman, a lot of people love Greg Gutfeld too. So Gene Hackman's back. Gutfeld is back. If you're not named David Charlac, you got a chance to win. Again, it's like a rematch, just a different book. Check it out, patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. That's enough for today, I think, don't you? We'll be back to do it all again. See the good? I know I did something right when I pissed off everybody. That at least made you think. Prove me wrong. I welcome you. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for listening.